true crime friends. Welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. As always, I am your host, Mary DePippi. I hope you all had a wonderful week this week and are looking forward to the weekend. I don't know. Today, I just feel like super lazy. Like I have not wanted to do literally anything. I'm just, I don't know. I'm like partially tired, mentally and also physically. So I think that has to do with it. It's been a busy week at work, so that probably doesn't help either. But hopefully you are all feeling more energized and productive than I am this day. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to a very relaxing, lazy weekend. And I hope you all enjoy your weekend this upcoming weekend as well. Anyway, back to why we're here. Of course, I have a new case for you guys. It is actually an older case that has recently, I wouldn't say been solved because the trial hasn't fully happened yet. It was supposed to, but we'll get into all of that in just a minute. But for right now, I just wanted to remind you to follow True Crime and Academia on social media at True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok sometimes. And TC and Academia on Twitter. Also, if you would like to access the bonus episodes, I know most of you probably know that this, or not this month, but last month for December, even though it came out this month, I did the bonus episode on the history of the lobotomy. So if you want to check that out and all of my older bonus episodes, including Casey Anthony, John Benet Ramsey, then you need to go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room and become a subscriber. So with all of that news out of the way, let's get into this case, shall we? On June 4th, 2007, Gordon Knudsen drove to Minot State University at the behest of his wife, Sharon. Their daughter, Anita, an 18-year-old elementary education freshman, had not been responding to their calls and hadn't shown up for work. When Gordon reached his daughter's apartment, he knocked multiple times, and there was no response. He then called for the landlord to open the apartment, but when he did so, he had noticed that there was a window screen on the ground. The landlord used her key to let Gordon inside his daughter's apartment, and sadly, he walked into any parent's worst nightmare. In her room, on her bed, covered by a coat, Anita's lifeless body was covered with her own blood. Gordon immediately called the cops, and when they arrived, it was determined that Anita had been stabbed twice. Even more sadly, it would be 15 years before police would make a credible arrest in her murder. Anita Knudsen was one of three adopted children to Gordon and Sharon Knudsen. Anita and her siblings, Anne and Daniel, were all adopted at a very young age. Now, I personally find it quite admirable when couples choose to adopt versus having their own kids. And obviously, I don't want to be insensitive. I understand that there are other reasons why people adopt. And, you know, sadly, infertility can be one of them. Now... Obviously, I didn't find, nor did I even look for why the Knudsen's adopted. Quite frankly, it's none of our business or mine. You know, that was the decision they made. And it seemed like, you know, by all accounts, Anita had a very 
normal and happy, loving home with them. Anita was a very bright and driven girl. She worked multiple jobs to put herself through college and stayed in an apartment that she shared with her roommate, Nicole. Now, despite being super busy with work and school and just being an 18-year-old, Anita always made time for her friends. And even more specifically, she always made sure that she kept in communication with her parents. Anne, her sister, stated that Anita just always had a way of making you feel like the most important person when she spoke to you. Police on the scene determined that nothing had been taken. Her purse, wallet, phone, keys, and other personal effects, including her car, were there. A pocket knife, however, with dried blood on it, was found by the bed close to the wall and the open window. Because remember, that window screen that her father Gordon found? Well... It had come from that window in Anita's room. Crime scene investigators tested the blood on the knife and it proved that that was the murder weapon because obviously Anita's blood was on it. The autopsy also concluded that Anita had not been sexually assaulted and had died the day before her father had found her. I couldn't find what the coroner said was the exact cause of death, But it seemed that the two stab wounds caused her to bleed out. And thus the mattress that she was laying on was completely soaked. Despite having the murder weapon, there was very little evidence and there wasn't much to go on. Police combed through Anita's personal life via her phone, her computer. They talked to her friends and they determined that the last text exchange was at 4.48 a.m. with one of her friends. However, nothing substantial came of this as the friend was not involved at all with her murder. They also never named this friend. Which kind of leads me to believe that either A, they kept it under wraps really well and the media didn't get whiff of who this person was. Or the person at the time was a minor. Therefore, you know, obviously that information wouldn't be available. At first, the initial list of suspects was long. The first person they interviewed, or well, one of the first people that they interviewed, was a man named Tyler Schulmaltz. Tyler had been Anita's prom date the previous year when she was a senior, and he had stated to the police that he, while he had a crush on her, he, you know, never really got involved with her. The two never really dated. However, they lived in the same apartment complex, which, again, could be suspicious and cause for motive, but he maintained that they were just friends. And I just want to point out that it is important to mention that because of this lack of evidence, police are also trying to find a motive. Because if they can find a motive, then maybe they can fit the pieces of this investigation, the pieces being the evidence. And, you know, hopefully from there they can build a case. However... You know, Tyler checked out. Other suspects included the maintenance guy at the apartment, temporary roof workers, and a jogger in the area. But again, nothing came of it because the police took DNA swabs of every single person they interviewed and that completely exonerated them. Now, Anita's roommate, Nicole, Nicole Thomas, was also questioned. 
And it was said that Anita and Nicole did not get along very well and that Nicole actually physically hurt Anita. However, though, Nicole's parents claimed that she had spent the weekend with them and was nowhere near the apartment at the time of Anita's murder. Because of the lack of evidence and the lack of suspects, the lack of motive, I mean, it's just one of those cases where they literally had nothing except for the murder weapon, which it didn't seem like they really had any fingerprints or anything to go off of. So because of this, sadly, Anita's case went cold. And it wouldn't be for 15 years. And for those of you who, like myself, who can't really do math that well or don't like to do math on their feet, I figured it out ahead of time for you all. So from the time of 2007 to the year 2022, when they finally made an arrest, 15 years had gone by. Hey, True Crime and Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners, listen, the holidays are literally right around the corner. And I know that some of you are scrambling to find that gift for that person on your list who is just so difficult to buy for because they have everything. Or you're sitting there in your home and you're realizing that there is this space in your house that just is begging to be decorated, but you don't know what to put there. Well, I'm here to tell you that Mandy Made It has the answers to all of your holiday needs. Mandy Made It makes the best handmade crochet and cricut items I have ever seen. And I mean, literally, she can make anything. The customization options are literally endless. So go to at Mandy Made It on Instagram and search Mandy Made It on Facebook Slide into her DMs and order your customized holiday gifts and decorations today. That's at Mandy Made It on Instagram. And Mandy is spelled M-A-N-D-E-E. Once again, search Mandy Made It on Instagram and Facebook. Slide in her DMs and order your gifts or holiday decorations today. Hey, listeners. My name is Sam, and I'm the creator and host of Creme de la Crime podcast. The mission of this show is to bring awareness to unsolved disappearances from all across the country. In the United States, 600,000 adults and children are reported missing every single year. Although most are quickly found, there are still tens of thousands that remain missing for more than one year. As of 2022, there are still more than 17,000 unsolved disappearances and 13,000 unidentified body cases from across the United States. For the first year, I'm going alphabetical order by state and talking about cases involving all ages, races, and backgrounds. Don't forget to subscribe and join me every single Thursday to help bring these people home. During this extremely difficult time of just not knowing what happened to Anita and wanting to fight for her justice, which her family continued to do and still continues to do. Sadly, this became too much for her brother, Daniel. It was said by Anne that Daniel was never the same after Anita died. And in 2013, 
he died by suicide. Fast forward to 2002. A press conference was held on March 16th. The Minot Police Department announced that Nicole Rice, previously Nicole Thomas, who was now 34 years old, had been arrested for Anita's murder. Police Chief John Klug stated, Although most of the detectives who worked on the original crime scene and investigation have retired, we have not forgotten about this case. He also stated that Nicole had always been considered a person of interest. It was just at this point now they had the evidence to arrest her. According to the affidavit that was filled and released, a former love interest of Nicole's named William May came forward. He described Nicole as having gotten belligerently drunk at a party together in the years that followed Anita's death. He stated that they were about to go to bed and that Nicole had admitted to him that she did it. The affidavit also stated that Nicole told police that she had spent time at her family's farm in Velva at the time of Anita's murder. However, statements made by Nicole were inconsistent and constantly contradicted each other. It was also discovered that the statements made by her family were also extremely inconsistent. Rice made her initial appearance in court via video because, you know, we're still in this weird covid limbo. However, I'm not sure that I hate the idea of online court. I think, supposedly actually from what I've heard, that it goes faster. So I hope that that's the case. Because for anyone who's ever been in court, especially traffic court, you know how long that shit takes. And it is frustrating. But back to Anita's case, back to Nicole. The judge set her bond at $120,000 or a $250,000 shortly bond. Now, I had to look up what a shorty bond is. Because I had literally never heard it before. So the definition that I am seeing or have seen from this is for jail specifically. It can be used in other contract situations. But basically for, you know, getting out of jail, a shorty bond or surety bond. I'm really not sure how to pronounce it. It is spelled S-U-R-E-T-Y. So the word sure and T. (laughs) it's just such a weird way to say that but that is what it is anyway it states that for jail it's basically a loan that you receive from a bail bondsman to post bail now the bondsman will meet with you and post the bail on your behalf however in order for them to do that you need to pay him a non-refundable premium and this premium is usually 15 or 10 to 15 percent of the bail amount The bondsman then contacts the surety provider and borrows the necessary cash to post to bail on your behalf. Now, this bond specifically acts as a guarantee that you will show up for your scheduled court hearing after you get released from jail. And it is generally higher than a normal bail. Nicole and her family or whoever was able to post the bond March 17th, which was the following day. 
She was to be in court on April 21st for her preliminary hearing and arraignment. However, I didn't see anything that came of that. I'm not even sure that it happened necessarily. There was a statement from a clerksman that said that this trial was going to be prolonged, but that that's not necessarily uncommon in murder cases. As of now, though, Rice is set to have her pre-trial conference on March 1st of this year. So, I will be keeping you all posted on this case as I see more things come out of it. Um, However, I just wanted to share it because I was, you know, just happy that they were able to get a break in this case and make an arrest. I mean, obviously, Nicole Rice is technically innocent until proven guilty. And I, you know, because it's an active case, especially with her being on trial and everything, you know, we're not going to see much of the evidence until the trial comes out. So I'm very curious to see as to like what the evidence is they have against her. And it would make sense because if they didn't find any other DNA, obviously someone could have worn gloves. They could have, you know, dextered the whole situation to make sure they didn't leave anything behind, even though we all know that's technically nearly impossible to do. DNA just gets everywhere. But because she was her roommate, you know, they wouldn't necessarily have a reason to not rule her out. Or I'm sorry, they would have a reason to rule her out because she lived there. So it would make sense that her DNA would be there anyway. Either way, I'm just glad that they've made some headway with this case. And like I said, I will keep you all posted as, you know, the trial comes out. We're almost at like a month-ish away just over a month away from her pre-trial anyway. So we'll find out more then. And, you know, until next time, my darlings, I hope you all stay safe out there, stay healthy. And until next week, I will see you all later. Hi, Ivory Tower Boiler Room audience. It is Andrew Rimby, the director of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Welcome to our winter season. And are you trying to stay warm this season? Well, guess what? We have the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Cafe. It is our Patreon where there is so much bonus content. So I'll go over all that. But first, it's only $5, which is less than a latte, a cappuccino, a coffee, a tea, basically anything now because, you know, we have some inflation going on. So join us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. What do you get? You get Gregory Maguire giving us all the scoop on the Wicked Movie musical. You get Jesse Green giving us his hot takes on the Broadway musical. If you don't know who Jesse is, well, you should, because he's the chief theater critic of the New York Times. You get all the JFK and Marilyn Monroe scoop from Elizabeth Winder, a Marilyn Monroe biographer. So much more. You get all our video interviews. You can see everything, including the bonus content. And Mary's going to tell you, from True Crime and Academia, what you get later. But if you're not following us on social media and seeing our video teasers, well, you need that to stay, you know, nice and energized on these winter days. So follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Ivory Tower Boiler Room. While it's still here, why don't you follow us on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room? And here's my chief contributor, Mary. 
Hey, true crime friends and ivory tower boiler room friends. Like Andrew said, you're going to get access to all of this bonus content that includes true crime and academia. So not only will you have access to the bonus episode each month, you will also have video access to the interviews that I conduct on my podcast once a month. You get all of that extra content at your fingertips whenever you feel like watching it, literally for a cup of coffee. So why don't you just buy us one? That'd be so nice. We would appreciate that because we love your support already, but we could use a little bit more if you don't. Oh, yes, we could. And also, hey, do you all know you can actually DM us questions at our social media channels? Yes. Also, why don't you ask us questions with our social media posts? We love it. We even shout out questions on our episodes. And if you want, you can always email us at ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com to actually order our merchandise. So mm-hmm. we have hats, we have t-shirts, we have posters, we have everything. If you want any merchandise with the Ivory Tower Boiler Room logo, we're going to make it happen for you. Okay, on that note, happy winter season, everyone. Happy winter. <laughs>